It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat, an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey everyone, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I am your host, Jay Shear, and I am super excited today. My guest today is a husband, a father, and a grandfather. He's a seasoned professional in the field of sales and broadcasting, and was recently recognized by Radio Inc. Magazine as one of the country's top radio directors of sales. Have you figured out yet who I'm talking about? Well, it is the one and only Kurt Keller. Kirk, it is so great to see you. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, good morning, Jay, and, and thanks for asking. It's kind of weird being on this side of the microphone. <laughs> well, you know what? You look good on either side of the microphone. It makes no difference. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You got it. So, Kurt, I understand that your radio career began when you were 16 years old. Is that true? I was 16 years old. I, uh, I was not a good student. Um, so I, I elected to take the electronics tech class. I, I went to tech school. I'm a big advocate of technology classes. So I took the tech class for electronics. And one day, the, the vice president of the radio station in Carthage, Missouri, population 12,000, came into the tech class and said that, hey, we're one of the first radio stations to have a computer to help run, us radio, run the radio station. And we need somebody that has that tech mind to also be a DJ on the weekends and keep an eye on the computer and do programming things. And so three of us raised our hands and we ended up going to the radio station. And after about a week's worth of interviews and everything, um, I ended up getting the job. But what's funny is um, after I came to the radio station, got to look at the computer, fell in love with the computer. Computer's name back then was Oscar. Uh, fell in love with the computer. Fell in love with the staff. I'm getting ready to walk out, and uh, uh, Don Shepard, who was the engineer, goes, oh, I, I need you to do one more thing before you leave. And he hands me these stacks of paper, and he goes, I need you to do the news. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, you got to read the news uh, every every Saturday at 5 and 10. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm out. I'm a horrible reader. That's why I'm in tech class. So I left, and I went home. I no more got home, and, and my mom, who was a school teacher said, hey, the radio station just called. They want you to come back right away. <sighs> okay. So I did. I went back, and it wasn't that bad. You know, news stories are pretty short and sweet to the point on the radio. And uh, anyway, the next day, I got the job. Wow. Uh, about a year and a half later, uh, being the good Christian kid I was, the sales manager came in. He was throwing stuff, mad, slamming doors. And I walked down the hall and said, his name was Craig Burford. He said, Craig, what's wrong? He goes, my only two salespeople just quit on me, and it's right before the holidays. And uh, uh, I'm like, well, if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. <laughs> Famous last words. Exactly. The next day, I'm still in high school, remember. The next day, I get home from school, and there was a message uh, called Craig Burford at the radio station. So I called Craig Burford at the radio station. He asked me to come in and meet with the general manager at that time. And so we sat down and talked, and he said, here's what we want you to do. We have these Christmas greetings. We'll write you a script. You'll have last year's commercials. All you have to do is ask for the money. And whatever you do, don't take no for an answer. I'm like, okay, I can do that. That's easy. So every day at you know, school got out at 3, I think it was, I'd walk to the radio station because it was like six blocks from the high school. And uh, I'd get on the phone and sell these Christmas greetings, one right after another. And uh, they had it programmed out as a scale you know, you start out with 20 commercials or t uh, then 10 commercials or 15. You, you whittled it down. Some people would just buy two commercials, but I'd go all the way down to those two commercials. And I didn't take no for an answer because I was told, don't take no for an answer. And it just kind of goes along with that whole sales 
process that don't take no for an answer, and you will end up getting a sale somehow, some way. So was that really your first entree into the world of selling? That was, yes, indeed. I didn't know how commission worked. I didn't know anything about commission. That was my, and I, let me go back. Yes and no. Uh, Whenever the elementary schools used to do carnivals and you'd go out and sell tickets to church church members and or family or whatever, uh, I always won those contests. But I also also cheated because a lot of our church members would say, here, I'll buy some tickets, but you keep the tickets. You have fun at the carnival. I didn't care about the carnival. I wanted to win. And so I'd resell those tickets, and that's what I would turn in. And so that's that's how – that was my first sales ex- experience was selling tickets to the carnival. So, Kirk Keller, are you saying that you were double-dipping? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard it first right here on Business Minds Coffee Chat. So, so Kurt, uh, what is the – secret to your success if there is a quote secret as a top sales director so you know here you're recognized by this industry magazine what is it what's your secret sauce you know i think my secret sauce is uh, i i have concern and i have passion and i have love not only for the clients but for my staff uh, my job is to make sure the staff makes money it's my job to make sure that uh, the consumers that do advertise with us on these radio stations even in this in, in this town are getting results. And if they don't get results, I try to make it to where they get results. I mean, I work with them. And um, when I tell clients such as yourself that we want to be a partner with you, I really want to be a partner with you. Uh, if you knew how many clients tell me their sales figures, there's tax figures, you'd be amazed. But that's how I get, that's how deep I get in. Cause I can usually figure out just from experience, um, where's the best place to place their commercials. So if you're dealing with a, a local company who is advertising with you and let's say they, they're not necessarily seeing the results yet, maybe they just started, what are some of the things that you would do or that you would you would share with them to help them maybe look at things a bit differently or trying some, some different ideas? What kind of ideas would you recommend they try? Well, one of the first things I, I learned – from Craig Burford, my very first sales manager, was get rid of an objection before it becomes an objection. So I try to present the issues and the problems that other clients have had before they have them. Uh, for instance, patience is the biggest key to advertising. Unless you're throwing out a big sale of 75%, you're probably not going to see immediate results. If you're just throwing out there, Jay Shear, Jay Shear, Jay Shear, you're probably not going to get a lot of results. You've got to uh, repeat that message over and over again. So I use a lot of analogies to get my point across. My, my favorite one that I came up with many, many, many years ago uh, was it's like telling your kids to take out the trash. You got to tell them more than once. They don't take it out the first time you tell them. Even if you snap your fingers, they still don't take it out. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also use analogy like uh, advertising is like a bag of popcorn. If you don't leave it in for the full three minutes, you get a crappy bag of popcorn. Mm. So leave it in for the three minutes. You'd be surprised how many – People, Jay, will buy you know, like a 13-week schedule or 26-week schedule. And two or three weeks into it, they're, I'm not getting any results. Just cancel everything. And, you know, but if you if you caution them up front uh, in a sincere, passionate way, they usually listen to you and it usually will work. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I've heard you use both of those analogies before. I think you've used both on me before. So, no, But what I appreciate is, and I want to go back to, to, to leading and managing a team here in just a moment. But what I appreciate is that you're, you're helping somebody understand that they're playing the long game here. And I look at, at the work that I do as a business coach. You know, I, I 
require that my clients sign up for at least a minimum period of time. And usually that's a three-month minimum period because I've learned over the years just through experience that even with great coaching and trying new things, it takes time to start to see momentum build. And if you're not patient, right, if you don't realize up front that this is what's going what it's going to take, what the expectation is, then you'll you'll pull the the, the cord too quick. Right. Right. And that's that's not good for me. That's not good for the client. And in this case it wouldn't be good for for your clients either. And Jay, to be honest, that really goes with all advertising, whether you're doing newspaper, whether you're doing billboards, whether you're doing social media Unless you're making some astronomical offer discount, in other words, you have to have patience to make it work. Yeah, yeah, that is so. In so fact, true. I think in, in in business school they teach you three years. Give your business three years and make sure you have money for three years. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, that's true. So, so I want to talk about team building and the team that that you are working with here. So, talk about the importance of having a solid team and what type of expectations you set? What is the culture that you build within your, your well, sales I, team? I look at our team as a family. You know, I, I came up in a, a large family. There's six of us, and we weren't all exactly alike. I don't think my parents would want us all to be exactly alike. I was the perfect child, by the way, in the family. Of course you were. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. But so I, I look at the same thing. You know, we go to lunch together a lot. Uh, we'll go and get some afternoon drinks together a lot. We work hard at events uh, together a lot. Uh, you know, they laugh at me in the office lots, lots of times because we have intercom system. I never use it. I just, I, I do the dad thing and yell down the hall, you know, they will now come here. Um, so we, we work a lot together. We have conversations together. Uh, I have an open door policy. You have a problem with me? Come in and tell me. Um, uh, cause I, my, my thing is come yell at me. Don't go home and yell at your kids or your husband. Uh, cause I just think that, cause this is a very high stressful job because we get knows a lot. We get probably told no a lot more than anybody else in, in any kind of industry because we're selling the intangible. We go in there with nothing in our hands. We walk out with this imaginary thing that we just sold. So we sell an intangible. And so we get told no a lot unless we are really good storytellers. Um, I don't believe in a lot of meetings, Jay. I have one meeting a week with the sales team as a group. Uh, but like I said, when we do go to lunch, we try not to talk about business. We you know joke around. We, we do – we do come up with some creative ideas usually at lunch or something like that. But uh, I, th- I think it's that family. Uh, I don't expect Dave Odell to sell like Scott. I don't expect Scott to sell like Karen. We are, we're all different. Every one of us are different. And I encourage that. And I, um, I hate to use the word use, but I use the difference in each personality and each person to match them with the perfect client. Uh, there's times that, that uh, say, Dave Odell doesn't get along with the client or hasn't sold a client. I move that account to somebody else that would match that personality uh, or match that style. They all have the same, they all have different styles. I don't want everybody to sell just like me. Uh, That'd be great if they did, but uh, they don't. And I, I respect that. And I don't want them to sell just like me. So, so talk about what happens if someone is not performing up to the standards or the expectations that have been established. So what does a, coaching opportunity or an improvement opportunity look like? How do you address that? My coaching opportunity is if I see somebody, well, let's say I had a top seller that was doing great. And all of a sudden I see them declining. Uh, my first assumption is going to be, oh, something's going on in the family. And I, I don't go there. I don't ask that. I just usually say, Hey, I want to ride with you for the next two or three days. 
And then when, while we're in the car, we talk about sales. We talk about the methodology of what we're going to do, how we're going to present stuff. And then if when we leave, if we get a yes and or no, either way, we talk about it again, what we did right, what we did wrong. And usually that salesperson, after writing with them for two or three days, on, they'll, they'll open up and say what's going on. And so I appreciate that when, when they are open with me. Uh, and I try to do the same thing with David Ayers. If, I, if he sees me failing, uh, we have pretty candid con- conversations about our, our life, our health, our, ki- our kids, our grandkids. By the way, I'm not a grandpa. I'm a papa do. A papa do. <laughs> I like that. So what are you doing today to challenge yourself to continue to grow personally and professionally? Wow. What am I doing today? Um, uh, that's a hard one for me because Jay, my life is different every day. You know, uh, I, I feel sorry. I really do. I feel sorry for people that have a factory job that do the same thing over and over and over again. Cause my day, I never know what's going to happen. I mean, I have a calendar. Uh, you can go look at my calendar now and you'll think, man, when's this guy get a chance to breathe? Uh, Cause I'm always going, but um, I, I think for me to improve is my organizational skills. I, I think I have great ones, uh, but there's been times I've dropped the ball here and there. And so I, I think that's how I need to improve is better, better organization um, skills. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I can improve in my communication skills as well. Uh, I don't ever stop learning. I remember one time when my son was like 14 years old and I was trying to tell him something in an ed- educational way. And he's like, dad, I'm so tired of learning. I'm not in school. It's summer. And I'm like, young man, you never stop learning. And the minute you stop learning is the minute you stop in your foot tracks. And so I'm always reading. I'm always learning. Um, you know, I, I come across articles that, that pertain to a client. I send that article to a client that, that I think might better them. So I, I, I do like the idea of helping people improve and be better themselves. So I guess that's, that's something I need to grow and do even better. Excellent. Well, we're going to continue to pull on that thread a bit when we come back. Kurt, we're going to take a quick break here to thank our amazing sponsors. You're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Visit the Fitzgerald Performing Arts Center at Flagler Auditorium. We're about to release our new season of professional touring shows. Visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com. Sign up for our newsletter. You can be the first to know about our shows and special offers. And remember, every time you buy a ticket to a show, you support the performing arts in Flagler schools and you support our local economy. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. And I am in the studio today with my very special guest, Kurt Keller. And we're having a fantastic conversation. And just before the break, we were talking about some of the ways that Kirk continues to challenge himself to improve and to grow. And I want to continue down that path for just a moment or two. So you mentioned that you like to read as an example, and there are certain things that you Short want to continue. Short articles. I don't do the big articles. Short articles, not the big articles. But if you were to give a recommendation of something that you've read recently to a business owner that you think has been helpful to you, 
what would you share, whether it was a book that you read recently, maybe an article that you read recently? What is something that you would you would either gift to somebody or send to somebody who's you know, looking to improve? I, 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 that's a that's a hard one because I'm really not a book reader. I'm more of an article reader or, or or a research reader. So I read a lot of different research pages, and the research pages I read is usually about somebody else's industry so I can learn more about their industry, about how to – craft a commercial or place their commercials because every everybody's different you know and every market's different you know um, this is i call this a resort town so when i work with a restaurant i know they're doing probably good on the weekends as long as the weather's great it's the weekdays that they're suffering so since radio is a push media i encourage them to advertise on tuesday wednesday thursday i couldn't i could encourage them to advertise on a monday and sometimes i do most of the restaurants around here as you know are closed on monday and the reason why if you think about it backwards is most people have a Sunday dinner and they have leftovers and they bring those leftovers to work the next day. So that's why Sunday, Monday or Sunday, Wednesday, Thursdays are great restaurant days to advertise. And that's what I do. So I read mostly industry articles, not as much as the books. Um, I do have a very short attention span. <laughs> so that's why I said short, short, short. Um, but you know, I think our society is that way. We we've created that with fake book, and Instagram and all those other things, all we do, we sit on our phone and just flip it up and down, and then we read the headlines and move on. They don't actually read the article. And so if you've got a great person that's writing some um, intriguing headlines, that's when you get the click. Uh, but I just think that's a shame. I, I, it it I, is. And for, I would society, say for society to do that, I think that's a shame. Well, it, it is, and that's one of the reasons why I enjoy having these kinds of conversations or long, long-form long conversations that I have on my podcast as an example because it's not about the headline. It's about going deeper to really understand the way that somebody thinks, to, to be challenged in your own thinking, your own beliefs, just to understand you know, how the world ticks and how people – how people position themselves and what's important to them. I think all of those things, I think we lose a lot of that when we don't have the conversations, right? When we're only texting and we're, you know, using five sentences or less, right. you know, I think it's important to really understand how people think. So or emojis, that's one that emojis. drives me nuts is the, the emojis. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So at one point you had a traveling cooking show that was called the wannabe chef. So are you a wannabe chef or are you, have you gone from wannabe to chef? No, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a bonded or licensed or ordained chef, whatever they call it. But I did. I, it, that was just one of those funny things that happened one day. Uh, my wife, I was doing some work on the side for a TV station and working on uh, for a radio station. I walked into this grocery store in Texas called HEB, the greatest grocery store on earth, I'll tell you that. They just put in a cooking connection in the center of the store. Uh, in the town, and they were getting ready to expand it to all the HEBs. And to launch Cooking Connection, they were going to do a cooking show at at uh, the supermarket, HEB. And uh, and it was going to be televised. So I walked in there, and I, I see a guy running towards me that I knew. And he's like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. I need your help. I'm in shorts and a T-shirt. It's a Saturday. And uh, I said, what's up, Mel? He said, that the guy we just hired to do the, the host of this show we're getting ready to do just quit on us. And we go live in like 15 minutes. I said, well, let me go home and change. He goes, no, no, you don't have time. <laughs> so they, they slapped a, a chef's jacket on me and the chef for a cooking connection. That guy's name was Michael Olivius. I didn't never met him. They just put me up on the set was wiring me up with mics and everything. Uh, and Michael says, Oh, who are you? I said, I'm Kirk Keller. I'm wearing the chef jacket. He goes, Oh, so you're a chef. I'm like, 
nope, I'm not a chef. This is just what they just gave me to wear. And uh, uh, we did a little bit introduction back and forth. And he said, so you want to be chef? I said, no, I work at the radio station down the street. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we ended up doing the show. And uh, at the time, the show was called um, Showtime in the Kitchen. And after the year, HEB renewed the show, but they wanted to change the name to the Wannabe Chef because that really took off. People were people were coming to uh, the grocery store asking, so where's this Wannabe Chef guy? And But I'm not a chef. But I'll tell you this, I, I, I love that show. And I did. I traveled around a lot and, and met a lot of great chefs and a lot of famous chefs that you guys have probably heard of. Uh, but I, what I loved about the show more than anything, I got a major education about food. And I, I got a, a new respect for chefs of how smart they are and the science behind it and the health that, uh, that they know. Um, a lot of them do sh- shop at Farmer's Market. That's what got my wife and I hooked on Farmer's Market. My wife and I stopped buying canned food because of all the different chemicals and everything. You don't think about it until you hear a chef say, oh, no, 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 taste this versus this. And it does make a difference. And so I'm, I'm a huge Farmer's Market fan because of that show. But I've... I've traveled a lot of places for that show, had a lot of fun. Show won a contest. I got to make it a guest appearance on Good Morning America. No kidding. And uh, my surprise guest was Emeril Lagasse. Wow. And that was my specialty as I always showed up at the show because I I worked at another place and I was manager at this radio station. So I didn't have time to go in and do a lot of research. And uh, I would just always show up. I just like I do with my shows now. I just ask a lot of questions. And so I never knew what we were going to cook. I just asked questions. If I, and because I was always in a hurry, if I dropped something on the phone, I'd do what my, my mom always said, five-second rule, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite guests on the show is um, Michael Huckabee. Uh, he just happened to be in the area. And I don't know if he saw the show. I don't know if Alice Stewart saw the show. That was his campaign manager back then, which is Heather Thompson's sister here ah, in town that yes. lives here in town. Small world, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I got a, a phone call asking if I'd be interested in having Michael Huckabee on the show. And I'm like, was he a chef? And he says, uh, uh, the girl says, no, no. But he is well known for cooking. And he wants to show the different side of his life versus just politics and, and pastoring. Sure. And so I agreed to it. I said, as long as we don't talk politics, I don't want to do that. So they flew me to Dallas, Texas. We're in this massive mansion. I had this fantastic kitchen. And we made venison chili. Wow. That is what a what a cool story. Yeah. Well, next time I'm aching, have an aching for chili, I know who to go to. Well, I, and I did. I did learn a lot about cooking. My my children when they come to visit or when we were at home, uh, they always can Dad do the steaks? Can Dad smoke a turkey? Can Dad you know? So I really I do enjoy it. It's it's relaxing. Dad can do anything. I yeah. love that. So you've brought up your wife a couple of times during our conversation, and you also mentioned you know how high stress this role is that you're in in the radio business. So how do you find work-life harmony? What does that look like for you? How do you balance, if there is such a thing, what you're doing here and maintaining and building your, your relationship with your wife and with your family? How does all that come together? Well, to, to brag about David Ayers and, and Jim Martin and Trisha Woods, uh, the, uh, Gary Smithwick, the owners of the station, when I first found out I was flying to Florida for this interview, I made it very clear. I'm bringing my wife and daughter. My, my wife and daughter lived with me at the time. My son had already moved on and, uh, and to, back to Missouri, actually. I was living in Texas. And they were very open to that. Yeah, bring her, bring her, bring her. So during the interview, my wife and daughter, 
came in towards the last part of the interview and Jim talked to her, David talked to her. I think Trisha talked to my wife on the phone just to kind of get a feel. Is this family going to fit? So I, I think it's important to whomever, even if you're struggling to find a job, I think it's very important to find uh, that position that's going to welcome that family atmosphere. And I said that earlier about the sales team. I do treat them like family as much as possible. Uh, we have good days. We have bad days. Uh, and, I, and, and so I was very pleased when I found out that, that uh, they were very welcoming to, to Caitlin, my daughter, and my wife, Heather. Um, so that being said, I take Heather to a lot of events. Uh, uh, Heather works with us at a lot of events. We've got Creekside coming up. Heather's going to be the golf cart driver, bringing people in from the parking lot. So I, I like that harmony that we have. Uh, when working for a radio station, if I was working for like CBS radio or some big group, I don't think I'd like it. I don't like the corporate world in the first place. And, and I don't think they would accept that. They look at the liability. Well, your, your wife's not one of the employees. We're going to have her doing that. I don't, I, I like having my wife there because I am away from my family a lot. So when I can bring them in and make them part of the event or part of the task, uh, I greatly appreciate that of, of the owners here at Flagler radio. Mm, I love that. I think that's powerful. Kurt, you know, we all face moments of self-doubt and adversity in our lives. Whenever you experience one of those moments, whether it's self-doubt about yourself or just an adversity that, that happens in life, how do you build yourself back up? Um, first off, I beat myself up pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. I, negative self-talk? No, 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 not negative self-talk. I, I just – I just um, Why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. How'd this happen? I, in other words, I guess I analyze. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I was taught as a salesperson was to role play um, in the professional way, folks. <laughs> so as I'd be driving to an appointment, let's say I've got an appointment with you this afternoon. As I'm driving to you, uh, I, 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 I pre-script, I guess, uh, the conversation we might have. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and going back to get rid of the objection before the objection – I think about what's Jay going to say? What's Jay? How's Jay going to turn this down? I try to think what that conversation is in advance. In other words, my life is almost like a play. Uh, I just don't know what the next line is going to be, you know. Uh, so, but I, I always have a line ready to go. I know that sounds bad calling that a line, but I do role play a lot just to be just to be prepared, um, and then to build myself back up is I go out and sell somebody else. Mm. I don't take it personally. That's one thing I think a lot of salespeople do. They take it personally. And I, so anybody out there that's a salesperson listening, just remember this. They're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the idea right now. That's right. So you always have another opportunity. Um, I am. Um, um, even in dating life, Heather knows this, so I won't get in trouble, I don't think. Even in dating life, I, if a girl said no, I'd try the next week or I'd try the next day or, you know, you just never know. Yeah, it's like playing darts. I don't think anybody can actually hit the center dart on on purpose. It's all luck of the draw or luck of the throw in that case. Yeah. So you just got to keep trying. That is, that is true. I love that. I think of the phrase "next play." Yes, right? exactly. Next play. Excellent. Exactly. So, Kurt, as we are wrapping up our conversation today, if you had the ability to sit down with any person, any one person, whether they are still with us alive or no longer with us, who would you want to sit down with? And what would be one question that you would ask that person? So who is the person that you'd want to sit down with? And what is the one question you'd want to find out? Easy answer. My father. 
my father was uh, not a business person, but he was also the world's greatest salesperson. Uh, the reason I say that, we lived on a farm. We took our cattle to stockyards every once in a while, but mostly he just put an ad in the paper, and, and before someone would show up to, to look at the cows that we were selling, he'd have us out there hosing them down and brushing them down. <laughs> he was a great salesman. Uh, in that respect, but uh, he was a state trooper. He was his own commander for 33 years in Missouri. Um, and, and I guess my my question would be, I hope I'm making you proud, Dad. What do you think his answer would be? Uh, I think so. Um, I'm the only one of all the siblings that didn't finish college. The rest of them all college. Dad was not very happy that, you know, I, was, I stayed in radio. This is my 42nd year in radio. Uh, but I remember one time at Christmas time, uh, we were having Christmas at my house in Loma Linda, Missouri. Uh, all the siblings were there. Their kids were there. My family was there. Kids were there. And he just gave, gave me a big hug. And he, he said, I never would have believed you would have. And I lived in a nice house. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just, he just said, I never would have believed that being a DJ would have put you in a house like this. So thanks dad. Yeah. I love that. Kurt, you are, you know, this, this radio station, this community is blessed to have you. Thank, Thank you for all you do. Thank you Thank for you. being here today on business minds, coffee chat. I always love having conversations with you. You're always so insightful and I appreciate you sharing a bit about your story today and just showing up as your true self. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you, Jay. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And for all of you, thank you so very much for tuning into Business Minds Coffee Chat. And we'll be back next Saturday morning at 830. And until then, keep learning and growing and keep doing the work to reach your potential. Take care, everybody.